as we looked at this year as a unique year with all the things going on in our lives, as we begin this missions conference, today we're launching this idea of why missions? Why missions? Why, do, are we, why even have a missions conference? Why send out missionaries? Why do missions? Why give money towards missions? How do we do all these things? Are we doing these things? Are we doing missions according to a biblical concept? Do we understand what missions really are? I mean, why missions is a huge, huge topic. And this morning, I have the unique privilege of giving you the outline of everything we're going to talk about all week. On Wednesday and on Friday, on Sunday morning, and, and uh, all of these things. I want to emphasize that many times we don't take advantage of during the missions conference and enjoying the potluck, um, enjoying the dessert social, enjoying the Sunday school, and we're going to have all the Sunday schools come uh, together and hear about missions. On, and I really encourage you, if you don't normally come to Sunday school, come and hear an aspect of missions that you might not otherwise hear as we do a Q&A with Benjamin and Ella. Pastor Ralph's going to lead that, and I encourage you, it's going to be a real fun family atmosphere as we get to see someone from our very church that's launching in taking the missions of the gospel with them. So they're not going to a mission, they're taking the mission with them. And I encourage you to come with that. Not only that, but in church next week, uh, we're going to, during our regular family time, during what we would do our normal announcements, we're going to announce and hear from Lyle talking and doing a Q&A with Pastor Ralph. And so he's going to be sharing uh, some Q&A with us, and it'll be a wonderful time. And then we're going to wrap it up with Rob sharing about missions. And I just want to encourage you to, uh, as we talk about this, we really want to challenge you. And, and uh, if, if necessary, I'll send our very own drill sergeant, Donald, out and get you. And no, I'm just joking. But uh, he was right in the fact to encourage you to think about missions. And, uh, and if you don't, we'll drop and do 20 this week, or 30 or 40. So I know Donald's going to be working me out this week because I, I, I uh, skipped that out on my workouts last week. My, my prayer is that you will take this seriously because this will impact our church, I pray, for years to come, that we will see our own missions take off our mission here, our mission with you and each other, our missions with our community, our missions as we send out people to take that mission to various parts of the world. And so I pray that as we get started this morning and answer this question, why missions? I pray that God would bless and encourage and prompt your heart. I want to challenge you, but as you look at this challenge, I want it to be an encouragement to say, if you've been thinking about missions wrong, and we all do in some part, in some way, we let our human thinking get involved, I would pray that you would be encouraged that God is still working in you and desiring for you also to work with others 
with God's mission. And so I pray that God would encourage you in some way and that he'd use his spirit to encourage and instruct your heart this morning. Would you pray with me as we begin and answer this question, why missions? And we turn to a familiar passage. Lord, I pray with all my heart, with all my desire, that we would not take this lightly, that we would see this question, why missions, and we would fervently agonize in our heart and mind to answer this question. May we not take it for granted. May we get excited about this. May we turn with our heart and respond to your Spirit. As Ephesians 5 tells us, may we not walk aimlessly, but may we walk circumspectly or purposefully giving control of our life to your Spirit, doing your work that you've prepared for us, your good work. May we see the things that you desire and may we take it and may, Lord, you bless it as we respond to your commands. Lord, I pray that we would be challenged this morning as I have been challenged May we also be challenged, as the elders have been challenged, may we too take up this mission and challenge our hearts this morning with your very word. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, if you want, we're going to be flipping through a a few passages, but the reality is that we're going to see uh, our passages are going to be out of Genesis and Matthew. Genesis and Matthew, and we're going to launch back in order to launch forward. We're going to look at all that God has been doing for eternity, and what does He want us to do now in in the present and going forward as a church? And answer this question, why missions? And how does it affect us as a believer, as the body of Christ? And are we looking at it correctly? as missions. We're going to start by reading Matthew chapter 28 and verses 18 through uh, 20. But the reality is we know that God has raised from the dead, Jesus raised from the dead. He goes and he comes and he presents himself to his disciples. We know from other gospels that they went about and they went off to do their own work. Do you remember the disciples that he called and said, follow me? Most of them, a lot of them were fishermen from Galilee. And guess where Jesus found them after his resurrection? Guess what? They were back fishing again, going back and say, well, I guess this discipleship is over, all that we learned is over, and now we'll just go on and we'll just do what we were used to doing. And he said, what are you doing? Didn't I make you fishers of men? We get to verse 16 at the end of uh, Matthew chapter 28, and he says, now the 11 disciples went to Galilee to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them, and when they saw him, they worshiped him but some doubted. 
As we read this command, the Great Commission that many of us have heard, may we think about this reality that we say, yes, this is the command of the church. But may I ask the same question, may, do we know the command, but are we believing and doing the command? Knowing the command and believing in the command are two different things. It's like um, Raul, or Raul, sorry, Lyle. Lyle stated many times, he's really, the, uh, the quote from Spurgeon is, many times we know that God is sovereign, he's over all things, he's in all things, he's above all things, he's working through all things, he's working for his glory, for his purpose in life. And yet, many times we salute that, but we don't really believe it. Do we know the Great Commission, and do we believe it? And we see here that even some of his own disciples doubted. So what Jesus said in verse 18 has great weight. And he said, Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. He is saying, I am God and I have all authority. And then he goes, now because of that, go therefore, verse 19, making disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, name of the Son, name of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. He gives them this great command. And so as we look at why missions, I want you to notice out of this command, I want you to observe some of these things here. The first one, this is why missions? Because missions is obeying the great commission. Matthew 28, he said, go therefore and make disciples. Do you realize that the command isn't go? The command is making disciples. The going is the fact that we're supposed to be actively engaged in it. But the reality is the command is in making disciples. He said this command with the idea that his disciples would obey this command. It's a commander-in-chief telling his army, now go forth and fight the battle. Obey what I've given you. You may not know or understand basic precepts or ideas of English, but making disciples is in the aorist imperative. The aorist imperative. Imperative being command. When something is an imperative, it means that this is imperative that you do it. But it's an aorist imperative, which is different than just a normal command. It's an urgent command. It's an order. It's a charge. Do this now without delay. It's like a general saying, you must go do this to fight and win the battle. Christ is telling his disciples, now urgently go make disciples. It's a call for a definitive, decisive choice. Definitive being that we're all called to obey, 
to make disciples, a call to action, a call to arms. Pick up your cross, pick up Christ, pick up the gospel, and go make other disciples. Christ, God saved you to carry his name. Vance Havner, an old great poet and gave us a lot of great illustrations, but he phrased it this way, his old savvy preacher, and he said this, salvation is free, the gift of God is eternal life. It's not cheap, for it costs God his own self, his son. And the son, his life, but it is free. However, when we become believers, we become disciples. And that it will cost everything that we have. It costs God everything, and he's calling us as disciples, that he's telling us it costs us everything. Our Lord was after making disciples, not just joiners. He's not asking people to call to just join a revolution or just to join a club. He's calling an urgent call of making disciples who bear the name of Christ. The second thing we see is that why missions? Because missions is a mandate. We're called to obey, but it's a command. It's a mandate for every believer. Notice the emphasis on every. You can put all there. If you have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, you know know that he's your savior, you know that you're going to heaven. It's a call to arms. It's a mandate. Go to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. When we emphasize the fact that it's everybody, every believer's mandate. By the way, why missions? Because it's not just a missionary that goes overseas that's doing missions. It's every believer's mandate to do missions. If you've been on our Wednesday night Bible study, we've talked lots and in depth about this idea. In Ephesians chapter 4, we've been given a great gift, the gift of Jesus Christ who saved us through his rich grace and mercy. And why has God done all of these things? Why has he given us the church? Why has he given us gifts? Why has he given us abilities? Why do we have teachers and preachers and missionaries? Well, verse 11, it says, and he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, the teachers. By the way, the word shepherd there is where we get the word pastor. It's the Greek word for pastor. So the shepherds and the teachers, why? Verse 12, to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. What's the work of the ministry? It's the gospel. It's the good news. It's the making disciples. That's the work of the ministry. He gave leaders in the church to equip the body to do the work of making disciples. Leaders of the church, missionaries, are just the tip of the spear of missions. Missionaries that go overseas are not missions. They are just people that are fulfilling the Great Commission in a different area. It's a mandate of every believer. Look at this great mandate in verse 18 of Matthew 28. 
Jesus said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Why do we do this mandate? Why are we to follow it? Because it's authoritative. It doesn't just come from a good person. It doesn't just come from a good general that's won many battles. It comes from the Lord who has won the battle over sin. It's Christ's authoritative mandate as our Lord and Savior. You can amend the notes there where it says Christ's authority as Savior to be, He is the Lord and Savior because He's God. If we look at this mandate, when it says make disciples, He's asking us to model Christ. Christ went out and made disciples that bore the name of Christ. In fact, His disciples made other disciples so well that the rest of the world began to call them Christians. It was a derogatory term, and it's beginning to become a derogatory term again, which is great because it separates us from the rest of the world. It means to be little Christ. They modeled Christ so well in making disciples that they looked like Christ. That's the mandate, is to make models. The other mandate is to acknowledge Christ. That's what it means when it says, Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Trinity, of of Christ, God, and the Holy Spirit. Of the image of... See, the image here is to acknowledge Christ. When we make disciples, when we become a disciple... We take on the fact that we're supposed to acknowledge the image of Christ, that we are His in His image. That's why when we baptize, we, we die to ourselves and we're buried in the water and then we're brought out of the water in a new life, acknowledging the image of Christ, that we are in Christ, we are a new creation. It's no longer about our life, but it's now about the life that we live for Christ, bearing His image. The next thing we see is to teach them to observe all that I've commanded. It's to obey Christ. So this mandate, this authoritative mandate from God is to model Christ, acknowledge Christ, and to obey Christ. That's our mandate. Why do we do missions? Because we are, there's this clear mandate that we're supposed to follow as the body of Christ. Not only that, but I want you to see that why do we do missions? Because missions isn't determined by location. Missionaries are not missionaries because they're in Africa, Indonesia, because they're, it's not like, oh, guess what? We have a missionary with us today because he comes from Canada. We need more missionaries there. No, I'm just joking. (laughs) I know my mom's watching, so I was poking her. But here's the thing. We aren't missionaries. I loved it. The guy that led me to the Lord was a missionary. He, he, he was like, I'm going to go to Canada in the northern regions of Yukon and reach out to the Indians that are there, the indigenous people. I'm going to share the gospel. And then he retired and he became a pastor. Does this sound familiar, Pastor Ralph? He retired and became a pastor for many years 
in a church where he led me and my mom to the Lord. And if that wasn't enough, in his old age, he decided to go back into Canada and be a missionary again. And he passed away being a missionary. He told me, he said, missionaries be- missions and missionaries became very dear to my heart because he told me, he says, Kyle, go out and do God's mission wherever he sends you. At the age of 10, I said, I'm going to become a missionary. God is real, and he's doing real things with his people all around the world, and I want to be available to do his mission. And I got baptized, and I say, it's no longer me, but it's you. And then I, in high school, decided I wanted to live for me, and so I did sports. I found out I was good at sports, and I decided that it was going to be all about me. God took care of that and broke my leg, and literally broke my leg and took away my hip and hurt my back in one in several years and I said what am I doing I want to go out and do missions with people my mom says where are you going to go be a missionary I said I don't know but wherever God wants me to be because this missionary taught me that missions isn't determined by where you're at it's what you do A missionary isn't a missionary because he goes around the world. A missionary is a missionary because of the mandate that they are following wherever they are. You remember Acts 1.8? It says, But you will receive the power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. He's saying that you will be a witness to make disciples everywhere you go when you live by the power of the Holy Spirit, when you fulfill the mandate. I want you to look at it this way. The command to make disciples is given to people, for people. When he says, go make disciples, this mandate is for us as people to go make disciples of people for God's glory, to acknowledge his name, to teach them to obey all the commandments that God has given us. The command to make disciples is given to people for people. Jesus was commanding people to make disciples of people. It's not a region, it's not a place, it's not a program. It's a fulfilling a mandate given by Christ. Missionaries are people sent to people. Pastors are people. Sorry to tell you this. I'm just a lowly human looking up at the glory of God, falling and failing, just like the rest of us. But I'm a person that's trying to point you to acknowledge Christ. Pastors are people who shepherd people. Spiritual gifts that were given to you by the power of the Holy Spirit, gifts that Christ won when he died on the cross and rose again and conquered death, Spiritual gifts are given to people for people. That's why he says in 1 Peter 4, 10 and 11, he says, as each of you receive a gift, use it to serve one another. It's to help you in this mandate of making other disciples. By the way, parents are people just raising people. 
just sometimes really rotten people at times. <laughs> just like you as a parent are very rotten at times. People, parents are people raising people. In fact, discipleship or making disciples is even viewed as spiritual parenting. As you grow up in the Lord, you become a discipler or a parent of those who need to be encouraged in the Lord to acknowledge Christ and to obey Christ. Titus 1.4, Paul writes to Titus and says, To Titus, my true child in a common faith. Paul says, he's my son in the faith. Are you reproducing yourself and making disciples? Why do we do missions? Why is, why, what is missions? By the way, it's, it's not location. But why missions? Because our mission is the application of God's original mandate. Did you know that this was, when, when he says, go make disciples of all nations, this is what God intended from the very beginning. Beginning. It's like I came from the south or something. <laughs> I was in Montana getting my cowboy on. We actually had a square dance. It was pretty, it was pretty enlightening. <laughs> I decided that cowboy boots, I don't know why anybody would want to dance around in cowboy boots. <laughs> but here's the thing. Just my little stupid rabbit trail, just ignore it. But Genesis chapter 1. Did you realize that this mission, this mandate that God has given you has been the same from the very beginning? That's our last point, by the way, but let's get to Genesis chapter 1. The mission and the mandate of making disciples is just an application of what God originally said. Go to verse 26. As we look at the creation, as God the creator, as he creates mankind, verse 26, it says, And God said, Let us... That's God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Let us make man in our image. Created in God's image, His likeness. After our likeness, He says, and let them have dominion over the fish and the sea and over the birds of the heaven and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in His own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Listen to what he said. And God blessed them. God blessed his creation. And he said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. There's the command, by the way. Being fruitful and multiply is describing the command. Fill the earth, he says. And then there's a second command. Subdue it and have dominion over the fish and the sea and the birds and the heavens and over the living things that move on the earth. Be fruitful, fill it, subdue it. It should give you an idea of God's original mandate. Listen to John chapter 5, verses 46 through 47. Remember, Genesis was penned down, was given to us the law of Moses. It was given to us by Moses as God directed Moses. He wrote it down as God breathed out his word. God, our Moses transcribed it and gave it to us. Listen to what Jesus said in John 5, verse 46 to 47. 
says, For if you believed Moses, you would have believed me, for he wrote of me. But if you do not believe his writings, how will you believe my words? Do you see that? Jesus pointed back to Moses' writing, saying that Moses was declaring Christ from the very beginning. Let's look at God's original mandate in Genesis 1. Did you see God's original mandate is the authority as creator? God created everything. By the way, who saved us? Christ. Why does Christ have authority? Because he is God and he is the Savior. He is the creator and he instituted our salvation. God is the, is the authority and the creator. Remember John 1.1, 1, 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. The Word was God. The Word is God. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us, the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Jesus is the original creator with himself. God's authority as a creator. He created We are created in God's likeness. This is God's original mandate, that we would share His image. We'd be His image bearers. The original mandate given to mankind in the beginning was to carry the image of God. That should sound familiar. Not only that, but His original mandate was to to create create in God's likeness, but also... The command to fill it. God says, don't just sit here, but fill the whole earth. Do you remember the problem that they had? What happened to the descendants of Cain? You remember the Tower of Babel? They decided that they were going to congregate and stay in one place and try to become like God rather than just carry the image and and obey God and carry the image of God that they were going to try to become God. How did that go for them? God scattered them, right? Where does language come from? The Tower of Babel. You ever hear when you talk about something, oh, they're just babbling on and on and on, babble, right? Where do we, that term, that idiom or that term comes from? It comes from the Tower of Babel. Nobody could understand. So they all scattered. By the way, all ethnic groups in the world come from that beginning, He commanded to fill. They weren't doing that, so God scattered them. The original mandate as God, as the author of, cre- of create, his authority and author of creation, created in God's likeness that we were commanded to fill, but we were also commanded to subdue. God gave us the authority. He shared his authority and said, now I want you to subdue the creation that I created. Did you remember, by the way, what Jesus said in Acts 2.8 when God gave us, he said we would be given the Holy Spirit? Acts 2.8, he says, but you will receive power when when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses all over creation. The mission of the church 
the mandate in Matthew 28 is just a mere application of God's, it's an outflow of God's original mandate. That leads us, why do we do missions? The mission of the church has always been the same. Since God created Adam and Eve and since God created the world, the whole idea, this mandate of making disciples, bearing God's image and allowing His Spirit to subdue all the things in the world and in sin, to conquer sin, to make more disciples, to multiply. This has been God's idea from the very beginning. If you understand anything, why we are the mission. Making disciples is the mission. The place is not the mission. And the mission has never changed. It's the same mission from Genesis all the way through Revelation. Revelation, we just get to see the the finale of the mission. It's always, always been the same mission. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 11 through 12 Listen to this. It says, verse 11, In him we have attained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the person, purpose, sorry, according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. Everything that he has done through our salvation, through the gift that he has given us through Jesus Christ dying on the cross to redeem us, to purchase us out of our sin, to pay for our sin, when he rose again and conquered death, It's always been according to the counsel of His will. And by the way, do you understand that that counsel of His will is plural? As He communicated this counsel together with God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Right? When we baptize in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. It's always been according to His counsel. Go go to Ephesians chapter 3, verse 7 through 13. Verse 7, it says, of this gospel, that's the good news, I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace. It's a gift, which was given to me by working of his power. Sound familiar? Verse 8, to me, though I am the very least of all the saints, the grace was given me to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ, to fulfill the mandate of making more disciples. Verse 9 says, and when he's doing this, when he's preaching the gospel, when he's making more disciples, verse 9 he says, and to bring the light for everyone, what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God? When he goes out and makes disciples and preaches the gospel, he's revealing God's mysterious plan from ages past, from eternity past. Who created all things? Our link back to Genesis. Verse 10. So that through the church, there's our mandate of our mission. That through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might now be known to the rulers and the authorities in the heavenly places. This was according to what? Verse 11. This was according to the eternal purpose. That he has realized in Christ Jesus our Lord. 
You see that? God's eternal purpose, His plan for the church has always been the same. John 1.1, Revelations 14.6, Titus 1-3, chapter 1. Paul, a servant of God and of the apostle of Jesus Christ, for the sake of the faith of God's elect and their knowledge of the truth, which according with godliness, in hope of eternal life, which God, who never lies, promised before the ages began. The promise of our salvation was determined before the ages began. This is pre-Genesis 1. Do you see that this mandate of making disciples, of becoming to acknowledging and bearing the image of Christ and the image of God and obeying everything that God created and allowing Christ to subdue all of our sin that we might become more and more like Christ. This has always been God's plan from the very beginning, before there was a beginning. I want to show you this again just as we close the original mandate by God's authority as a creator the great commission as an application of this is God's authority as savior both authoritative as one by the way this these mandates are empowered through us by the power of the Holy Spirit created in God's likeness acknowledging Christ in our mandate to be baptized in the name, to carry the name of Christ, command to fill, right? To multiply the command to model Christ, to make more disciples, to fill the earth with his disciples. The command to subdue by the power of God, the command to obey by the power of God, to obey all that God has commanded as God gives us the strength through the power of His Spirit. Let me put it this way. People cannot reflect God's image, reflect His rule of His creation, or reproduce godly offspring unless they live in obedience to Christ. And this is simply this, as your pastor, as your shepherd, I want you to love Christ. I want you to love God. We don't love God any better or any more, and it's never more evident than when we fulfill the mandate that he's given us. Where are you at in this mandate? Have you began to acknowledge Christ in your life? Are you carrying his name? Are you... Where are you at? Are you obeying Christ? Have you been learning all the commands that he's given you to obey them? As you go to Bible study, that's why we go to Bible study. That's why we have disciplers and leaders to hold you accountable to say, are you obeying Christ? Here are his commandments. How are you doing with those things? Help, let me help you bear the burden that, and help you learn Christ, as you acknowledge Christ and as you obey Christ, guess what? You begin to model Christ and you make 
more disciples. Maybe you've been saved for one year. Maybe you know your relation, you have this relationship with Christ because of what Christ has done for you. You've acknowledged Christ. Now, maybe you've began to obey Christ. And as you begin to obey Christ, you model Christ by telling more people and making more disciples. Where are you at in obedience to this mandate? If we're not being obedient in this mandate, then we're not doing missions. We are the mission. Right here, all of us together are the mission. The community around us is the mission. The mission is Christ. It is not where somebody goes. The mission of Christ is not just to come to church and hear a mission or hear a message and then go home and just do whatever we want. It's to acknowledge Christ, it's to model Christ, it's to obey Christ. Where are you at in this mandate? The beauty of it, it says that whoever comes to the Lord will be saved. The beauty of it is, it says that when we are saved and we acknowledge Christ and He is our mission and our love of our life, that as we sin, it says to come to Him again because He is faithful and just to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. That's the acknowledging Christ. The more we acknowledge Christ, the more we'll know we're sinners. The more we know that we're sinners and we acknowledge that before Christ, the more He changes our life out of forgiveness. And we obey Him and we love Him. I don't know where you're at. Maybe you don't know Christ. Let me tell you this. You can't fulfill the mandate that God has given you from eternity past, from very creation You can't reflect it. You can't take it. You can't enjoy the creation unless you are in Christ. It's not enough to know about God. You need to trust Him. Who do you trust with your life? Are you trusting your good looks? I'm not. (laughs) Are you trusting your good works? I'm not. I fell at farming all the time. I fell at being a pastor sometimes. Sometimes I succeed, and then I fail again because I'm prideful. Oh, that was a really good one, and I'm like, oh, I failed. Where are you at in your life? Are you trusting in Him for your salvation? He alone can save you. You can't save yourself. There is no one good. There is none righteous. No, not one. There's none who seek after God. God is seeking you and he's giving the Holy Spirit to make you alive so that way you say, you know what? I need Christ to save me from my sins. Have you acknowledged Christ in your life? If you haven't acknowledged Christ, come to him. Call upon the name of the Lord, it says, and you will be saved. For by grace are you saved through faith. It's not your own works so that no one can boast. It's only through the work of Christ who died on the cross and rose again to pay for your sin. Will you come to him and acknowledge him and not you this morning? I pray if you've never done that, that you would do that this morning. 
It's not about your desire and what you want. It's about what God has mandated for us in our life. I guarantee when we are in Christ, there is a grace, there is a mercy, there is peace, there is joy. There is a byproduct of being in Christ that you cannot produce yourself. That's the beauty and love of loving the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. Will you acknowledge Christ in your life this morning? Let's pray. I pray, Lord, that you would wrestle with somebody's heart this morning, that you would prick it, that you would grab a hold of it, you would convict it, and you would help them to realize that they are not good and they are not going to heaven because there is none of us that are good. Only you are good. That they would cry out right now as we are praying and they would pray to you and that they would say, I I need you to save me from my sins. I realize that you are going to stand one day and judge all mankind according to their life and their actions and their sin and to realize that there is none of us that are good. And Lord, I pray that they would call upon you, Jesus, and your work on the cross the perfect Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, the perfect sacrifice to pay for our sin, and that they would call upon you this morning and ask you to save them. And they put all of their faith in acknowledging you and that you would give them this Holy Spirit and empower them to obey you, to acknowledge you this morning. If someone's wrestling with that, I pray that they would just call upon you now. The rest of us, I pray that we would acknowledge that Maybe we haven't fulfilled the mandate. Whatever areas that maybe we realize this has been your plan all along, that you would help us as a church, a body of Christ, the bride of Christ in Ferndale to bear your image better and we would take the mission as urgent and as serious to begin to do it now as we go home and as we eat How can we be an image bearer? How can we acknowledge you? How can we subdue the sin and and the pain and the agony? How How can we fill the earth with your disciples? May we begin to look at our lives as being obedient to your mission. We praise you and we thank you for your word that gives us clear and concise direction and answers for our life. May we simply be obedient to it this morning. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.